select Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at willpaw 11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Joined by a special guest today, uh, AP beat writer for the Jets, Dennis Wazak. How you doing today, Dennis? I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, I'm happy to be inside air conditioning right now. It's been <laughs> brutal. Well. I know. We were just talking about this off air. We were both, uh, both obviously, your practice every day, and I was at practice yesterday, and uh, it was it was an interesting uh, it was an interesting temperature, and I can only imagine today was even hotter. So, hopefully, you know, glad to see you're doing well, and, and everyone's alive <laughs> and uh, surviving. But um, you know, obviously, it's been an exciting camp so far. I think there's a lot more optimism around the team, um, and it's probably for you, you know, covering the team, a lot of young guys, and it's you know exciting. What's been your what's been maybe your one or two biggest takeaways from the first I don't know 15, 16 practices so far? Yeah, I think I you mentioned you know, optimism, like, like that kind of thing there, that, that vibe is real. You know, you felt it, especially in the off season. And now it's kind of transferred into camp and now they have to work off that and, and build off of that. Cause now what ma- it, that stuff won't matter anymore. It'll be what happens on the field. And, and right now I think you're seeing, you know, some of the things that you were hoping for in terms of what the defense might be able to do, what Carl Lawson might be able to do. He's been, I mean, you know, we've talked about that uh, that guy almost every day because he just seems to be in the backfield making a play or, you know, a, a would-be sack, um, you know, in camp. And and that's good. That's really good to see because that's what he's here for. Um, Elijah Moore has been really terrific. I mean, he left practice today with the, the quad injury, so we'll see what happens with that. But um, – that's also really promising. And now Zach Wilson has been up and down. He's had, you know, a couple of good moments. He's had, you know, a few bad moments and then a lot in between. And that, I mean, that's, that's kind of what you expect, you know, and you can't overreact to that at this point, you know, um, the jets are 13 practices in. So that means he's 11 practices into his NFL career. Um, let's see what happens starting this weekend. You know, when he, when he goes, uh, you know, and plays against another defense in an actual game. So those are kind of the takeaways. And I, I like, I like how uh, Salah has kind of um, overseen the practices and, and the, 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 uh, the pace of the practices and what they're doing. And, um, you know, I, I think he knows how to do it. You know, he's seen winning teams, how, what they have to do. And I think he's kind of borrowed some of those things from, the 49ers and the Seahawks and that kind of stuff. So that's kind of like in general what I've seen and, uh, you know, over the past two, two, two and a half weeks, whatever it's been, feels like forever. At this yeah, I know. It's uh, I feel like I, I was at the first open, a couple of open, I've been at, try to be at every one of the open practices, but the first one feels like it was months ago and it was literally two yeah. weekends ago. But, um, you know, one thing that stood out to me and you kind of mentioned it at the end was, you know, the other day, Brandon Eccles makes a really good play on the ball over the middle. And the first guy to go up to him, give him a pat on the back and coach him up right away was solid. And it was just this energy of like, it's okay to teach and coach and, and be a leader all at the same time. And he spends time on the offensive side of the ball. I've noticed, and I'm sure you can talk about this too, but you know, I, I see him with Michael Floor at times. I see him with Wilson. I see him on the defensive side of the ball, kind of everywhere. And I know that was the big kind of talking point in the off season was a, finding that CEO type. And, 
yes, he's a defensive coach, but has that not stood out to you as well? Just this, everything is a teachable moment. Everything is, it's all positive energy in a good way. Not like I'm going to put my head in the playbook and not talk to the rest of the team. Yeah. And I think um, we were kind of told this when he was hired that, um, that he wouldn't be that, um, that crazy guy that you see on the sideline on game day, you know, he wouldn't be that every day. Cause that's not who he is. He's, he's very much a guy under control and very even keeled. And that's really good because I think, and the way he has explained it is that on game day, he's just fired up for the guys, for the players who make the plays and knowing the process that's gone into that. And it, it just, it makes him happy, you know, to see that. And that I, that's good. I like that because you know, he's, he's, during the, the practice week, he's going to be that way. He's very approachable for the players, obviously for the media as well, but for the players, most importantly. And, um, you know, it, I, I like, um, like I said before, the way he's just kind of handled things. And, and you mentioned working with the offense, just kind of overseeing that. He knows this job is, it's important for him to be a coach who oversees everything because we've seen the complete opposite recently you know with the the last regime and even even like when rex ryan was was the head coach you know he kind of left the offense you know to the brian schottenheimer and then whoever else came in you know after that and he stuck to the defense and the questions came up well you know why won't rex look at the the offense well you know because that was his robert sala has all of that he knows that he needs to be what christopher johnson said when when they started that search that like a CEO type to overlook the, uh, the, and to oversee, I should say the, the entire team. And, and he's showing that that's kind of his approach early on here in camp. Something that you mentioned earlier, and, and I noticed as well, I think, you know, Carl Lawson's been, looks like, you know, and Connor Rogers mentioned this to me, we were texting back and forth in practice the other day saying, he see, he looks like he's in week six shape and everybody else is in training camp. And it's a testament to Carl Lawson more than anything. And I think it's something that you can attest to better than anybody having covered the team for a long time is, you know, that, that true, true pass rusher the Jets have not had. They've had a lot of guys that are really talented on the defensive line, just not that pure edge rusher. Mekhi Becton's obviously been the victim as well. If you think about it, it goes both ways, right? It's a Jets practice. I, I laughed the other day. There was a pass interference call. Everyone's like, yeah, go throw the flag. And I was like, you know, it's your corner too, right? Like you'd want, you should want both guys to do well, but how much, you know, would you say it's Carl Lawson being that good or is it Mekhi Becton struggling? And, you know, I'll let you go here. But the only thing that I think that's important is just there's been a lot of different guards. And I think that's also a factor of not just defending Mekhi Becton, but Carl Lawson can cut inside and know he could beat Dan Feeney pretty well. Yeah, I mean, that that's an excellent point right there. Um, I, I'm not uh, – I, I haven't in training camp been one to just kind of – overreact to what's going on there. I think it's important that there's a size, there's a skill mismatch or, you know, just something where Carl Lawson isn't going to see a lot of left tackles as huge as Makai Becton. And Becton is not going to see the type of defensive end that Carl Lawson is where, you know, I think uh, Robert Sala called him, uh, what, what did he, he say? Like a sawed off kind of guy. Cause he's, He's a little smaller, but, but jacked up and he's, you know, he's got speed and he's got strength. And it's funny because when you watch, if you just key in on their matchups, it's hard for Becton at times 
when Lawson goes low and it, because Becton has to go really low, you know, and, and he probably doesn't see that on a regular basis. My only concern would be if other teams kind of get a hint of that and they have a similar type pass rusher. Well, now they know how to like figure out how to beat a guy like Becton because let's face it last year, Becton did well. So it's not like he's a rookie and it's like, Oh man, like, you know, this doesn't bode well. No, he handled himself when he was healthy and he was out there and he, he took on all those guys that, that we saw the, the Nick Bosa's and, you know, all, all the, the, you know, the really good pass rushers that he faced and he did well. Um, Carl Lawson has given him some trouble because he is a different type of guy. So um, I wouldn't go too crazy just yet. Um, again, let's see what happens with, with the uh, games, but I think this is going to help both guys because um, when Lawson goes up against the guy smaller than Becton, well, he's got a, a smaller person to get around, you know, and when Becton has a guy who's a little bigger than Lawson, it's like, okay, well, now this guy can't squirm under me and that kind of thing. I can block this guy. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm not, I'm not worried yet for sure. I, I, I think Becton will be fine. And I think Lawson is going to be good. Yeah, no, I'm very excited. It's crazy. The Jets defensive line has looked so good in camp. And I know, know Elijah Vera Tucker and you're kind of competing at right tackle and, um, you know, year two of Becton, you had the, a little bit of the foot thing and it's kind of hard to tell, you know, he's coming back and how good a shape he's in in terms of not physical shape, just that conditioning and things like that. The thing that's crazy is that D-line's played really well without, you know, a Quinn Williams, who's probably their best player on paper, their best defensive player on paper. And, you know, even a guy like, Vinnie Curry, who's that veteran pass rusher. I've been really impressed watching Bryce Huff and, and John Franklin Myers. I think if they can take a step again this year, that D-line is going to win them some games alone against bad offensive lines. The two things I think minus guard that were the biggest concerns for me going into the season was cornerback number two, that that second spot, um, you know, specifically. And then, you know, and then, you know, that receiver stuff with Mims kind of been challenging. Have you been impressed by anybody at corner that stood out and said, I, I think they could take that second job? And what are your what's the MIMS thing for you? Because it's so polarizing how split people are on where to be patient and not patient. Sure. I'll start with the corners. I, I think I think Bless Austin and Bryce Hall are the guys right there. I, I think that's what you'll see week one, the one and two. Um, the nickel corner is intriguing too to me because you have Michael Carter. You have um, Javelin Guidry, uh, you know, some of those guys who have been kind of mixing in there. That, that, that's going to be interesting to see how that works out. Now, the Jets have been using Brandon Eccles a lot, you know, and um, Jason Pinnock is, has uh, had some impressive days also. I think they have some guys that can kind of work in there. Lamar Jackson, you know, has some experience now after last year. But I, I think those are the two guys. I, I know, like, <laughs> we saw him in a bad situation last year, Lamar Jackson, as, you know. But I, I think um, I think they're really willing to go with those two guys, Austin and, and um, you know, and, and Bryce Hall. I think those will be the two guys. Um, and, and I think they're going to stick with that. Like, I, sometimes I, you know, you get a gut feeling about a position or a group of players. And, like, it's hard to believe that if a guy shakes free – on like cut down day that one of the two starting cornerbacks will be on this team on September 1st, you know, it, like, it just seems like there's this system in place that they're just kind of, 
and it, you know, and I don't see Richard Sherman walking in here and that, that kind of thing. So I think they're going to try it. And I think what you mentioned before that defensive line is going to play a big role in, in helping the, all of those guys in the back in the secondary, because I think Jeff Ulbrich said, you know, I'm excited, you know, I, because when we rotate these guys and we've got guys coming at the quarterback, the quarterback, where's the quarterback stepping up. So if the quarterback can't step up and just rear back and throw, well, that's going to help because if there's the coverage isn't that great, you know, that, that, that's something to help. Les Austin, who's very confident the other day said, you know, we want to be a strength. We don't want to be, I don't want to be a weakness. I want to be a strength and vice versa. You know, I don't want them to have to think they need to help me um, not make mistakes by, you know, helping me up front and that kind of thing. So I like that. And I like that confidence, but um, you know, it it is, I I think after those two guys, Wes and Bryce, I think it's an interesting mix of guys who they have in there and, and we'll see, I think that's still going to shake out over the next couple of weeks. Oh. Yeah, they. Oh no, yeah. I was gonna say we get to the members, but no, I agree with you at corner. I think that Bless has got experience. He has flashed and shown some things when he's played. It's just been he usually kind of has it one game or he doesn't. It kind of it's pretty clear. And I think Greg had a really short leash leash with him, which no I'm not sure is the best for for a young corner. They're like, if you make a mistake, to feel like you're gonna get yanked. That I, I think that's part of why I'm excited about this staff. And you know, something that I know you kind of mentioned. Um, you know, that's been mentioned a lot is. If that front seven's really, really good, I just they'll they'll protect the back four. And like, I mean, I'm not saying that the Jets have Tampa's D line or they have Tampa's defense linebackers, but you know, CJ Mosley when he's healthy is every bit as good as anybody on Tampa's defense. And they didn't have the best corners, and they held Patrick Mahomes to seven points. And again, I'm not trying to insinuate that the Jets' defense is there, but the point is, is you can even frustrate Patrick Mahomes with not so great corners if you can get pass rush. So. Um, oh, Tom Brady obviously looked at the Giants in the past. It's not. I don't think Aaron Ross was uh, better than Randy Moss. It's just you know you get look, if you if you sack him four hundred times, you make him uncomfortable. But yeah, the, the thing with Mims, and I'd love to get your opinion here because you've seen every single practice in person. It feels like he's he's getting starting to kind of get his feet settled a little bit, and I I think he is a scheme fit because I think that talented of a guy you can make it work. I just think the expectations going into the year going into camp need to change a little bit for his role. Is, is that kind of where you see, or are you concerned more so than, than most? Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's, that's well said and perfectly put. I, I feel the same way. Uh, there's the, he was a second rounder for a reason, you know, and, and he's got talent. We saw it flash at times last year in games, you know, and uh, he didn't have any touchdowns, but you know, he made some catches and, and you know that he could be that, you know, six, three target, especially in the red zone, you know, somebody who could, who can help Corey Davis and Elijah Moore and Jamison Crowder and whoever else, like it, they, they'll find a way. And I, I think it's funny because they, they, he really made a point of saying how much time and, and, and how much the uh, food poisoning affected him, you know, and, and he lost 20 pounds and that's a lot. And the guy was really sick, you know, and I think it did, it did um, set him back. A little bit because here's a new def- uh, new offense and you know he's trying to catch up and he can't even get in the field on the field because he's sick you know and it's it just so I'll give him that and he has flashed a few times over the last few days like that 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 can't be denied now whether it was with the third team or the fourth team or whatever or the first team he's getting he's getting reps he's getting mixed in I think they're trying to 
trying to eat, like not ease him back in, but they're trying to figure out a role for him uh, and, and just try different things. And they're doing that with the other wide receivers too. Cause you know, like I said, more Elijah Moore and Crowder and, and uh, Corey Davis, they, they have roles and you know what they're, they're going to do with this offense. I think they're trying to figure out what to do with Mims. And there's no, when, when people were talking about him being on the bubble, it was like, man, that like, no, I, I don't, I can't see that because he's too, he's too talented uh, a player. Somebody would snatch him up and boom, you could imagine him going to another team and then being, you know, a very good wide receiver, which he could still do here, you know, um, now, if a team calls Joe Douglas and asks about him, well, then maybe you consider that, you know, because whether the scheme is the perfect fit for him or not, well, maybe you could get something for him. But otherwise, like he'll be here that he's he's going to be here and they're going to they're going to try to use him in, in different ways, because I think he has that ability without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, unless someone's going to give you a starting corner or starting right guard for the next five years, I think you but you let him develop and right. Um, you know, so on and so forth. But I wanted to kind of get your get your thoughts here before we kind of look to look to Saturday and, and kind of the season as a whole. I feel like we've you mentioned at the top we've seen a lot of good from Willis and we've seen a lot of bad. I think the quote yesterday that not sure who asked the question, you know, from you guys, but I thought it was a really insightful answer from Wilson and something that kind of struck me is like mentally he gets it he has the physical tools but to talk about I'm trying to look through and Sal mentioned him being in meetings and and seeing like I can get away with this or I can or you know I saw Mosley drop there and I shouldn't have thrown it but I wanted to see if I could get away with it is that what's is that something that's impressed you or is it or is it like uh, man I wish he wasn't still making these mistakes how do you kind of feel and settle on that I I love it I love it I and if it if that is truly the case you know because I, and I think it is. I, I, I have no reason to, to doubt that is the case. I think you love to see that and hear that from him because that's what practice is for, to try, try those things out. And I know with the media there and fans there, you get wrapped up because it's almost like a game situation. You want to see those completions. You want to see those touchdowns, you know, and some some of the days those haven't come and it's like oh well you know he's he's struggling um no they're trying out different things because i just think about when you were playing you know you try to like all different things you're on the field they're trying different like okay this isn't going to work we can't do that during a game we can't and that's what he said and if you think back to your own playing whether it was you know high school college or just pickup if something didn't work, you're like, okay, we're not doing that again. And this is the time to do that, you know, and, and whether it's in front of the media and fans, okay, that's, it, it gets a little more magnified, but him saying that it's like, it was, it was a, a slick way almost of like reminding and like knocking on our head, like, Hey, hey this is what we're doing here. And I got to see, like, if I throw that pass and CJ knocks it away, like, well, you know, I can't do that kind of thing in a game. So we're not going to do that play. And then I like that. I like that. That, that. that is valuable stuff right here. And that's what you want to see. Once Now, if he's doing that stuff when the games go on, well, that's a different story. But in practice, like, no, man, like, just try whatever and, like, just see and, and see what you can do and what how you can stretch things and and or not, you know. And I, I, I like that. And I like the fact that he said that because it was it was a – it was like on the down low wake up call, like, like, Hey, 
this is what we're doing and this is what I'm thinking. So I like that. He's got a lot of Darnold in him from that standpoint. He was very polished when you talk to him, but he might have even more of, 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 a, of a sharp mental approach, you know, when dealing with us, you know, and that was a good example of it. So I liked it a lot. Yeah, they're, they're, oh, I, I totally agree. I thought that was really telling. I think there's been a lot of the interviews just feel different this year. I feel like guys are willing to be more, they're more willing to, you know, I mean, obviously you, you, you know better than me, but I, I think they're more willing to be slightly more open and honest about things of not just coach speak. It's like, it's truly like, this is, this is what I'm doing. And this is how I feel. Two guys that I feel like, um, you know, the Adam Gase freedom watch that, you know, that term gets thrown around a lot. I threw it around today with Michael Kieran because I think he's a guy who flashed a bit in camp last year. And then quite frankly, was kind of not great. Um, when he played and I, I think I think it might have been the ankle and I think maybe it's the system and the ankle and the whole nine yards him and Chris Hernan feel like guys who if they can kind of snap into place and, and feel confident in this offense they both have talent they were both you know fourth round picks but they both have shown flashes at some sense I was impressed the way P Ryan ran I think Chris Hearn's made some strides I still think he I would like to see him play better than Tyler Croft I think that's not a high barometer to get over have you been more impressed with one guy or the other, or do you still feel confident both can have an impact in this offense uh, in 2021? I, I like what I've seen from P Ryan in particular. Um, he's been running hard and you like to see that, you know, and, and cause that's, if you look at that group back there, that's the type of role he's going to have as a guy who not a plotter, but a, like a, like a plower, you know, a guy who can get in there and really, you know, move the chain, so to speak, he could get in there and, um, and I, I think you're right. They, there, there were times last year where after camp, you know, like you thought, okay, you know, this guy is going to be pretty good, you know, with complimenting Le'Veon Bell and Frank Gore and, and, you know, whoever else like was around at that point, you know, um, now is a, now's the time. And I think all these guys are pushing each other because they all have different skill sets. And I think they're trying, Michael Floor is trying to figure out, how to use these guys and who to use because, you know, you, you've got Tevin Coleman and Josh Adams and Ty Johnson, who's also having a good camp um, and P Ryan and, um, and, and even Austin Walter, who was in San Francisco, more of a special teams guy. He's shown a little bit too. And I, so I think these guys are really pushing each other. So P Ryan's got to work off his strengths. And I think, man, there was so many times just kind of like what you mentioned that he would get the ball and it's like, nothing you know and just man like he's got it I think there was something to the ankle and the system you know and it just it didn't complement he didn't complement the system and vice versa and I think he can do that um is he going to be a thousand yard rusher I don't think so um never know but I, I think he could be a complimentary back and a valuable one in this type of role with you know Coleman and and um and oh and, and I forgot M Michael Carter also who's really uh, been impressive in camp as well. I, I can't believe I got him because he, he's flashed a lot. But yeah, I, I, I like what I've seen from P. Ryan now. Herndon, on the other hand, has been kind of quiet. He's had a couple of days where it's like, oh, there's Herndon. But that shouldn't be the case where everybody's like excited because he made a couple of catches. Like this is a guy who should be a, a key part of the offense at this point, you know, and it just isn't happening. And you mentioned like Tyler Croft. Like, yeah, he probably should be better you know, and a better pass catching tight end, uh, you know, and they, you know, with Griffin there, it's just, 
I think that tight end spot is a little bit of an issue um, because there's nobody who's really kind of standing out. I like what I've seen from Wesco away from catching passes and just kind of being like an H back kind of guy that might help him stay on this roster. Um, if they use a fullback and he's a guy who's tough and he's big and he can get that. But as far as the pass catchers, uh, we haven't seen anybody kind of rise to the top yet and that should be Herndon. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. That, it's interesting. Cause you, you would hope that like it was this perfect opportunity for Herndon specifically to really take a step where it's like, full camp there's no suspensions no injuries no adam gates the whole nine yards and it's like i like that i've seen there's points where you're like oh there's a couple of catches like you mentioned he pops up and but then it's like he doesn't get targeted for four periods and it's like i, I don't think in this offense with a rookie quarterback you should having you know i'm not saying but like you look at the tight ends in san francisco and atlanta and washington it felt like jordan reed or you know obviously george kittle who's exceptional but i'm not even using a superstar level guy or you know an austin hooper that 80 90 catches a year it's like you know, they almost might have to run a lot more 11 personnel with Moore and Crowder and Davis and mix in, maybe use Mims inside. I know they mentioned that in that flight 2021 video. And I'm curious if maybe they start to try to use, utilize and say, let's just have two big bodies on the field. And they're both good blocking because I'm not sure how much better, you know, I don't know how much more of an upgrade Herndon really is or Croft, quite frankly, than having two good receivers out there. So, um, yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. Obviously, kind of wanted to get last kind of thing here, and then like I said, we'll move into some of the you know Saturday. But who's maybe one guy that we haven't mentioned that you've either been very excited about because you're like, oh wow, they've actually flashed a lot, or one guy you're like, I was really thinking in my head going to camp they're gonna make a bigger impact. Minus Herndon, who's you know we just kind of spoke about. Um, that's a good question. Let me think because I'm thinking about like the emoji stuff because you know I do. Uh, guys who flashed, guys who, um, i trying to think who, um, oh, okay, well, here's one, the rookie, Hampson Nasseroldine, you know, he's he's really popped off. He's been working with the starters, and he's shown a lot. He's been able to, uh, you know, kind of fit right in, and I, I think he'll be a starter in week one. Um, you, you know what? You mentioned C.J. Mosley earlier, and I think – a guy who also has stood out that maybe was kind of overlooked or just kind of not really Jared Davis, the two of them together, the jets have two guys inside linebackers who could be comeback players. You know, Jared Davis lost his starting job. And then like, you know, he was highly touted and then that was it. And CJ Mosley basically hasn't played in two years. And they, both of those guys are flying around right now. Uh, Jared Davis has a ton of energy. Um, he, he's, you know, he's got to watch his temper a little bit. He's kind of kicked the, uh, his helmet after a play once. And uh, he, he almost got into it, or he did with uh, Wesco today. The two of them were uh, grabbing on each other and that, that kind of thing. I think he's a fiery type, and I think he's got a ton of ability. And now that's a guy, like I said, I just, when he, they signed him, I was like, oh, okay, you know, he, like, no, I, I think he could be really good in this, in this system. And a guy that, that like I said, I, I wasn't really thinking about. And C.J. Mosley, those guys complementing each other. I mean, that, that could be really solid right there. So I, I think that's that's one guy who has flashed, Jared Davis, um, who I might not have really been expecting to. Yeah, no, I actually, like, their linebacker depth in the future they'll need to add to. Uh, but 
the young guys, even you look at the, that will spot and you've got Cashman, Nazaldean and Sherwood all who kind of can play middle linebacker and outside linebacker and are athletic enough. It's kind of all about for Blake. It's about staying on the field for Nazaldean and Sherwood. It's kind of transitioning and can they come up and thud people, which I don't think Jamie and Sherwood's going to have any problem doing, but no, Jared Davis is kind of in that, Matt Patricia freedom watch of defensive guys who, you know, they got lost in Detroit and you hope that they kind of, I think I'm not sure who asked it, but someone asked him about like, you know, losing that love for football. And I think he mentioned pretty early in camp, he kind of lost it for for a little while and and got it back. Yeah. Saturday, obviously the giants have already kind of talked about Joe judges mentioned, maybe he's treating it more of like a fourth preseason game um, than, you know, the traditional, you know, kind of preseason opener, a little confusing for me just because there's only three preseason games and it feels like, with a new, a lot of new stuff, you'd want to get as many reps for your guys, but that's, I don't coach the Giants, so not my problem. What are your, maybe like two or three things you're really, if you see this on Saturday, you'll feel a lot better about, you know, the preseason, or if you don't see it, you'd be, you know, you're the blinker of red light, you know, who they, I'm, I'm a little concerned, you know, what kind of flash. I, I think um, it, it goes back to some of the things that we've talked about earlier. And number one is Zach Wilson. Um, you, you want to see a little bit, of uh, flow, you know, on, on with the the plays, you want to see some drives go a little bit, you know, if, if not score touchdowns, like at least lead them down the field and be efficient, you know. And I think that's that's kind of what you want to see right off the bat. That would make, I think, a lot of Jets fans feel a lot better. That, and those who are freaking out about like, oh my God, he's not that great in practice right now. Okay, well. Now, first game, he had a couple of very long, sustained drives, efficient, and um, looked good. That's what I, I think would be good. You know, it would be key to see that. And uh, and it, it doesn't sound like he's going to play a lot, which is also interesting to me because today um, Robert Sala said um, he'll play, um, you know, through the first – probably through the first quarter, you know, a couple of series. And so – I mean, is that two or three series? Could that like go a series into the second quarter? I just think this is valuable time because of the loss of that fourth preseason game. So, and and I don't know how much they really need to see of Mike White and James Morgan in the second half, you know? So like, let's, let's see. And, and maybe he changes his mind, you know, but, or, you know, then again, he might not want that offensive line out there for more than a few series, you know, right off the bat. So you don't want Zach Wilson playing behind the backups. And because we've seen, we've seen quarterbacks in preseason games go, go with backups and things happen. Um, back in the day, uh, Mark Sanchez and, uh, and, you know, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, was that that game was not yeah. enjoyable. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I think, um, I think another, Let's see how those, those that secondary plays too. I, I think the defensive line is going to be fine. I, I think if you could see them make a few plays, like that'll be exciting, but up front. But I think let's see how the uh, the corners defend. You know, does Bless Austin and, and Bryce Hall, do they look as if they've improved, you know, and taken a step in their development? Let, let's see that. I, I think that would be key. And I, I think also going back to the offense, um, let's see how that, that starting offensive line meshes also, because, you know, it's, it's different, you know, it doesn't, Vera Tucker won't play. Um, So I think, you know, so you're missing one of those guys who will be a starter in week one, 
but otherwise, I you you need to have that up front too, and that will affect everything else on the offense, especially in that system um, that Lafleur is running. So I think those are like the three spots that I want to see: quarterback, offensive line, and then the secondary. And and I think those are the keys. And if those guys, those groups play well, like okay, all right, like let's move on to Green Bay now. Yeah, I was gonna say the Green Bay, the Green Bay scrimmage almost can like looks bigger now than it did 24 hours ago if Barrett Tucker potentially could be ready for that I know Quinn Williams uh, got mentioned today that he should be yeah. I mean they said full go but we know that's probably more so like he'll do individuals a little bit of team and then obviously the Elijah Moore thing is I I would be very shocked if he you know actually practices I hope he does and I, I hope it's just maybe a, he felt a little something but I would not risk it based on the way Denzel Mims rookie year went with the two hamstrings and that right, stuff. Exactly. But yeah, kind of wanted to, you know, obviously predictions are difficult and it's kind of, you know, shaken out. The AFC East is really interesting to me. Um, I think it's really a difficult division to figure out. You've got four really good defensive head coaches and three question marks at quarterback. As much as we could love Wilson or love Tua, which I'm not sure why you'd love Tua right now, but if, even if you like Tua or if you loved Mac Jones coming out, how do you kind of see the AFC shaking out? And um, I want to ask you to give a Jets record prediction because unless you want to, but how do you, like, what are some, well, we'll just start with how the AFC shakes out. Like, how do you kind of see it uh, playing as Buffalo still a king for you and everyone else is playing second? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I think for years, for like almost two decades, it was New England. It's like, yeah, New England and everybody else. And for good reason, you know, we saw why. Uh, but I think Buffalo has assumed that spot now. They, they have played well and they have the quarterback now. And I think they're, they're pretty certain of that, especially giving him the big contract extension that, the, that they just did. Um, yeah. He, that's the class of, of the conference or of the uh, division right now. So, and, and then it'll be interesting to see who goes after that. Who's, you know, second, third, fourth. It's, it is tough to imagine this team that won two games last year, and having a very young roster and a rookie quarterback and a first-time head coach, just really, you know, being able to challenge Buffalo for, you know, the division, but maybe the playoff, you know, we'll see. I, I think that's, that's the one good thing about this time of year. This there's optimism, right. And you can feel like, you know what, look at those, look at that defensive line, look at those wide receivers. If everybody stays healthy, you know, what? like, I don't think, New England or, uh, you know, Miami are that much better than the Jets. I mean, especially when you look at the quarterback situations also, I, you know, I mean, Cam Newton's coming off like a, a pretty bad year. Um, and Mac Jones might be, might end up being the starter who knows, you know, and that there's a rookie there and then Tua, you know, his struggle. So I think second place in the division is very much like, you know, up for grabs. And that's kind of how they should be looking that, Hey, you know, if we could win seven games this year and, you know, I mean, seven and 10 doesn't sound great, but after what they did, like, you know, that that's an improvement. That's, that's something, that's what you want to see. You want to see some progress and, and hope that there aren't stretches where they're getting blown out or not scoring at all and that kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, that Buffalo is going to make it very tough, for anybody else to win that division for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. You look at the way the Jets kind of schedule lines up and 
you know, the Tennessee game is probably going to be more difficult than it already was because of Julio, but now the Atlanta game is more winnable or, you know, the Colts have got a lot of injury struggles. So maybe that's a game they can steal or I don't love what's going on in New Orleans. Cause I just think they're kind of in that really weird limbo and no offense to, you know, their quarterback situation, but doesn't look great. Philly doesn't look great. You get Buffalo and Tampa Bay when they're probably already got the divisions locked up uh, respectfully. So yeah, it's like I haven't settled on what I want to give as my official prediction yet. I'd like to see some of the preseason and, you know, maybe the Jets pick up a veteran corner or a veteran tight end or another guard. I mean, I Moore is a big, big, thick body that uh, practiced the other day. He's I don't know if he's really a scheme fit because he looks kind of more like a, a mauler in the in the 60s and 70s. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the team. I, you know, I look at the Carolina game and um, am I worried about McCaffrey and Robbie and DJ Moore? Yes, but the Panthers' line also doesn't look very good. So maybe that's a game the Jets could win. So, um, you know, it's exciting. What do you think? I guess you kind of mentioned this, and this will we'll kind of wrap up with this. What are, you know, one or two things that would give you confidence that the Jets can make be a playoff team in 2022? Is it all about is Wilson good and is Salah the guy? Is that kind of just it comes down to that, or is it other stuff too? Like as far as is like moving as far as like you know we're we're having this conversation next year and obviously the draft and you know they've got a bunch of capital on free agency but in 2022 do you feel like if you see something from Wilson you're like this team should be able to contend for a playoff spot yeah because I, I think you know being a Jets fan you know how important that can, that quarterback uh, position is and if you can have some confidence in the quarterback moving forward it's like okay we've got the guy. Now we just kind of have to keep building around them, you know, and, and really, well, I, I mean, have you seen that? Have you felt that confidence over the years as, in terms of a young quarterback? I mean, maybe when Chad was the quarterback, you thought, okay, here's a smart guy who makes great decisions and can make plays and then goes out and beats the Colts in the playoffs and, and then he hurt his arm, you know, and it's like, damn, you know, that. I think everyone felt it for that last four game stretch of Sam in 2018 where it was like, I felt everyone kind of felt good. And there's that momentum. I still just can't believe that like there was a day where like they hire Adam Gase, CJ Mosley gets hurt. And then Sam has mono. And it's like the rest, it, it just it, like, they had a one shot and that half of football was the only time we got to see the, that Jets version. Totally. No, I, I, totally. Yeah. I just think, yeah. Like if Wilson looks legit, you can't help but be like this team's ascending and you feel really good about them going to 2022. If Wilson looks terrible, he's just a rookie and you have to kind of keep that in perspective. The one thing I wanted to ask you, I, I forgot to ask you this before, but you know, of all you've covered a lot of Jets teams, you covered a lot of, you know, Jets coaches, they all kind of had different personalities in a sense. Who would you say Salah most reminds you of? Is it a Herm or Brex or Parcells mm-hmm. or Bold? Like who's the guy that you're like, this kind of gives me the same vibes I got from that coach. That's that's a really good. Hopefully, it doesn't remind you of Adam Gates. <laughs> you know what? Before I go into that, I can say this: I think Adam Gates, his dealings with the media, get a little um, skewed because he he was pretty good. If you asked him a question, he answered it, and he would go into you know give you a good. That that was a credit to him. Like he. he despite all the other stuff that was going on, he would, you know, he would talk, he was reasonable, you know, and Todd Bowles, who was really a good guy, you know, he, he didn't want to talk to us at all. You know, he didn't want to like, nah. And so it was very hard to have a a give and take 
with top balls. Um, but Salah, I mean, he's not Rex for sure. Because Rex, I, I remember if you were running late for a press conference, you were just sweating because you didn't know what Rex Ryan was going to do when he walked up to the podium, you know, like, like, uh Oh, is he coming in with a wig on? Like, is he going to like show some video of him throwing a, a, a pitch at a Met game? Like, like what, you know, you never knew. So Salah is not that guy whatsoever. Um, I, I think he's, man, he's, he's not like any of those guys, you know? I mean, Herm was very good. He, so I was a backup when Herm, um, was the coach and I started full-time when Mangini took over like Herm was very uh very good with everybody um but but you it was almost like you you were like uh you know being taught a little bit you know and Herm like would kind of th- there was a give and take so I think because Sal is so even keeled with us I I just I, I think he's a guy separate from all the others because Mangini wouldn't give you anything you know but he would talk about football, but if you tried to talk at like, he just didn't really, you know, do a lot of that. And um, yeah. I mean, so he's not like any of those guys. So, and I think that's a good thing. You know, he's, he's going to be something different, you know? And I think what we mentioned, er, you know, earlier is that you'll see him fired up on the sideline during games, but you'll know that he's got it together in the facility behind the closed doors in the meetings where he's not just kind of a personality, you know, he he's coaching, you know, he's, he's a coach and he's going to keep these guys. He wants guys like him, you know, and, and guys who, who love it, you know, and that kind of thing. So I think that's kind of the, the mix of people that are coming into the building. So that's, I think what, what you see from Robert Sala, I think he's a completely different type of coach that any Jets fan has seen or media have seen in a long time. Yeah. I mean, they had, they kind of had a stretch of a lot of Parcells disciples in a, in a sense, right? I mean, you just look at Mangini. Yeah. He's a disciple of Belichick. who's a disciple of Parcells. So it's like it kind of all the same thing. And um, no, I agree with you. That's a fun question. I guess I'll kind of, uh, I guess it's two part here. One, is there a guy that stands out that you've covered with the Jets that you just like, you kind of light up when people want to talk about him. It could be a current player, former player, whatever. And is there a team that for you that you were like, this was such an enjoyable season to cover football. And maybe it wasn't even the best, you know, it wasn't a great team. It was just a fun team of personalities and things. Who's maybe a player in a team that really stood out to you and, you know, your time with covering the team. So I, that that's a really good question. It's a fun question. I, I haven't really been asked that. And, and um, I, I have a ton of answers for the players, for the, the team. For sure, it was that the 2010 team. Uh, you know what? Maybe the 2009 team, because it was like, whoa, they might actually do this. You know, Rex Ryan comes in and some Art Sanchez, and like they they might be able to do to to be a, des- a dynasty. You know, and and it was fun because there were so many personalities on that team. Um, I can remember being in the locker room um, back when we could be in a locker room there would be different guys talking and you had, you know, Revis and Cromartie and, you know, Bart Scott and, you know, Thomas Jones, Leon Washington, like you had to figure out like, who am I going to talk to? Because all of these guys voices matter on this team because they're, they're veterans, they're good players. That was, it was hectic, but it was fun because it was, they were so relevant. 
those teams. So I, I would combine that like 09, 10 season, the uh, teams that went to the AFC t- uh, championship games. Um, that was fun. But now as far as players, there are some guys and, and the other beat writers know this. I, I, I kind of tend to latch on to some of the guys who aren't as well known, you know, and, and because everybody's talking to Revis, everybody's talking to, you know, uh, Darnold or Wilson when, you know, that kind of thing. So um, one guy, James Durth, might be my favorite guy that I've covered. He, that guy, just a, just a solid dude, just a really good down to earth. And that guy, and there, there was other guys like that. Mike DeVito was one of my favorites. Mike is awesome. I've had him on the podcast and I've talked to him before. He is such a genuinely good dude, like New York guy, just, Yep. He just loves football. Like, so, like, almost overly humble where I'm like, dude, give yourself a little credit. Like, you're pretty good. Yeah. I, there was one time, so I would talk to him in the locker room and he's like, hey, you know, what What are you up to? And, like, I, I think it was uh, it was in the offseason, like, maybe between mini camp and training camp. And he was like, hey, uh, you know, because he's, he's a very religious guy, a Christian. He um, was studying. And I, I think he's got multiple degrees now, maybe even doctorates in like theology and stuff like that. But he was giving his first um, sermon at church. And he was like, he kept telling me that he wanted to do that kind of thing. And one day he was like, he's like, hey, uh, on Sunday, I'm, I'm giving my first sermon. You want to come? And it was like, wow. And I got to see him completely away from the football field, up at the altar, just talking to this, you know, parish of people who are listening to him and it's like man this is cool this is good stuff you know and so like those are two guys but um i, I could keep going on leon washington was always one of my favorites just a, like a really good guy um uh, man who else uh thomas jones i have a really good rapport with thomas jones i and he was not a guy who was easy to to not not deal with but to, to kind of talk to because he, he didn't really like the media uh, that much, but like I, I had a good rapport with him. Sean Ellis is another guy I really like talking to. Revis was good too. And now Revis had his issues, especially in the second. Uh, especially his, with Rich. Rich, is, um, Rich was on and he was like, Darrell does not like me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I, I always got along with him and um, a lot of offensive linemen over the years have been guys that, that have been go-tos like Damian Woody was was really cool uh, matt slauson mangold um he he was good um trying to think of some other uh how's chris, chris jenkins had to be fun to cover because that dude chris jenkins was it. fun but that he was part of that whole group like you know the 09 10 teams like that guy i mean he what a massive human being you know there's and, no way tony richardson was on uh tuesday and said he's like i am 100 percent confident that if Chris Jenkins doesn't get hurt in 2009, 2010, that they win a Super Bowl. Like just Chris Jenkins alone, not even Damian Woody, who's an all-time great lineman, or not even any of these other guys, or Jim Leonard's, or any of these guys that like he guys got. He's like, or oh, we had a different quarterback, or whatever. It was just like if Chris Jenkins is healthy, we beat Pittsburgh or we beat Indy, no question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, but if you remember Devito and Sione Buha, who also is one of my favorites, that Sione is a really good guy. Those two guys together. Like they played well in his absence, but they, I, I'm sure they would even say they weren't Chris Jenkins. They, 
he was just such a presence, you know, like he would walk in and his shoulders were like this, you know, and he was just like, man, what a, what a massive dude here. Oh, it just popped in my head. Here's a guy that like, you know, is way off the radar. Do you remember Doug Middleton? I do. I do. Jacks. He was in Jacksonville. I think he's in Carolina now. Yeah. He is a really impressive guy. Um, just he's, I, I did a story on him. One of those, those features that, you know, in training camp that, that I kind of like to do, find a guy like interesting background and that kind of thing. And man, that, he such a, like, like, uh, he, he wanted to, to be, um, there was something I'm trying to think what he, um, oh, his best friend committed suicide and he had to go to the funeral before his first training camp. And like, it was one of those things like trying to focus and, you know, he's really worked hard for mental health awareness. And, uh, and, and he's also really dedicated his time to being a guy who, um, you know, somebody who's going to do a lot of things after football. Um, so that kind of, that, those are the kind of guys that really impressed me. Uh, uh, Kelvin Beecham is another guy. That guy I could see running for a political office. <laughs> no, really. As I mean, long as you have to block Miles Garrett, then he'll be more than. <laughs> wow. oh, sorry, that was a low blow, but he Trevor Simeon's uh, not yeah. not happy about that one. But no, no there's a, no. there's just been so many guys over the years. It's like you know, as a kid, I I've talked about this before. I was at training camp in '99, 2000. I was just like the only kid there, and like I don't know, Richie Anderson and Sean Ellis and Santana Mall guys are just like awesome human beings kevin wise literally the nicest person you could have possibly imagine and would just kill people on sundays and <laughs> right you know i said Keyshawn's my favorite player of all time the most random you know i'm sure that's not a popular jets answer but you know um he's somebody that's just always stood out to me and um the last the last thing i was just gonna ask you is you know that 2010 team you know hard knocks and, and stuff like that i mean that amount of hall of famers on that team if you really look go back and look at it, i know they were not all on their peak and the whole nine yards. We'll see if some of those guys get in. It's pretty, it's pretty staggering when you look back at that roster. How exceptional that that team was. It from just the name recognition is. It's pretty, it's pretty insane. Yeah, because you think, okay, Fanica. Wait, no, Fanica wasn't on. Was he on that? Fanica was. No, I think he he retired after a nine, oh, and then Brandon Moore oh, was probably two thousand. Right, Brandon no, Moore two thousand ten. No, so Fanica uh, in two thousand nine. Um, they brought in they Vlad Dukas. Oh, God. Vlad Dukas. <laughs> yeah, there's a name right there. That 2010 draft did not help the uh, elongate the dynasty. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. But um, Jason Taylor was on that 2010 team. You know, LT. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Danny Tomlinson. Yeah, they they had some talent. It's Mango will probably get in. I don't know if I don't know if Brick will, but Mango probably will. Yeah, I don't, I don't think DeBrickishaw, he was a really, really good player. Um, Mangold, it'll be interesting to see. You know, I, I think um, he probably should. I, I think it, it, he might have to wait a little bit. Um, but he, he was the best, like, if not the best, he was, you know, right up there his entire career, you know, until the very end when he when he got hurt. But, um, yeah. I mean, Revis, Revis Hall of Famer, Revis. obviously. Exactly, Revis. Um and yeah, there, there might have been. I mean, even if they're not Hall of Famers, there were some guys on those teams that were really. It was Pro Bowl level players. It was like right, sprinkle exactly. up, you know, Damian Woody is where, you yep. know, he, Chris Jenkins obviously talked about it. 
Right. Bart was a Pro Bowl level player. Calvin Pace right. had some really nice years. Braylon Edwards. Braylon Edwards was a Pro yeah. Bowler in his time. Santonio San Holmes yeah. was a Pro Bowler. It's kind of crazy when you really like look back, look yeah. back at that roster, and then you look back at you know last year's roster, and you're like they can't possibly be <laughs> ten years apart. Yeah, yeah, man. But you thought, you know, with those two teams, that wow, they're gonna get there, and they just didn't. And I think if you talk to some players from that time, and I think even Rex. They knew when they lost in Pittsburgh that it wasn't going to be the same because a lot of those guys weren't going to be back. You know, they just, they, they were free agents. I, I think Jason Taylor was gone after that. I think he cried after that game because he knew like he was done. Yeah. So um, yeah, it, that was the window, you know, that was the window. And, and when you think back at that time, Rex Ryan, if they had just, if they had made it to the, he would be an all time, like New York coach, you know, like even if they didn't win, like the fact that he brought them back, I mean, he's so revered now to an extent. Um, People still kind of love Rex, but they know what happened in like the other three years after that. I think that's why Parcells is so beloved because he never got, you know, I mean, obviously you wish he stayed longer and didn't like, you know, whatever turn the team over, but I don't, he never let it and never, got bad so like there's only pure good memories where rex it's like the memories are great and then and then they're re- yes. and same thing with tannenbaum i've had mike on i i know him and he it's you know and i don't think he'd be he'll be probably the first one to admit like it went from amazing to you know not so great and it just kind of all yeah. fell apart and you yeah, know they lost all those veterans that year like, like chris jenkins was done woody was done tony richardson was done tony said yes the other day on the podcast he's like I wish we would have given it one more year and just tried to go all in on 2011. And then no offense, but you bring in plaques and Derek Mason, these guys and Cotri walks. That was a huge loss. Yeah, I know. That was it. Yeah. What a great jet Cotri was. Yeah. Oh, tremendous. He's, yeah. He's That's awesome a guy player. who like you think at some point he gets at least considered for like a ring of honor type, but he probably won't because there are other guys like in that mix, but he was that, type of jet you know where all his teammates loved him his coaches did and I remember Bilal Powell kind of I know Crotcher is a better overall player but I think like yeah. those guys that like just stuck and they were just like I mean Crotcher obviously leaves but those are there's just some jets that the Sean Ellis of the world I'm, I'm shocked you know I love Sean Ellis like I'm the biggest Sean Ellis defender because I think he was a really good player for a long time and the fact that he him and David Harris finishing in New England really sucked. Yeah, really yeah. just I, I the can, one I year. But, yeah, but uh, no, I, it's it's been a lot of fun times, and you hope that you know some of these guys that are you know this new generation of Jets players, and it seems like they're really figuring it out. There's some competency with Douglas and Sala, and you know you hope Wilson hits, and there could be some good times for the Jets fans. And it, it seems like there's an approach of let's win now, but let's also develop these guys. So we, it's not a one or two year window. We go all in and spend our money. So no, I I really appreciate you hopping on. And um, I know we probably uh, probably took up too much of your time, but um, continue to, you know, make sure you're following Dennis on on Twitter, you know, all the socials. And like we talked about off here, I I really enjoy the emojis and that, you know, the uh, kind of the jets kind of recap every day. It's, it's very simple and easy to kind of catch yourself up on what goes on. And, uh, you know, follow stuff in the AP and, you know, uh, hopefully there's some, there's some good stuff to write about 2021. Cool. Thanks for having me on, Will. Ah, mm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. 
Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.